I'm Austin. And I'm Matt. And this is Classical Reboot, progressive talks on Western classical music. Well, welcome to Classical Reboot, everybody. Um, I wanted to say Happy Halloween! Um, and today, in light of the season, uh, we're going to be talking about horror movies. Uh, and specifically, not really about their plots, uh, but more so just the, uh, the, the soundtrack and uh, sound design. And kind of the intersection of those two. Because I think that almost more than any other film genre... And someone can probably correct me on this. Uh, the the horror thriller genre really the intersection of the sound design and soundtrack really are effective in how you know the mood is portrayed and uh, in general just you know what creates a lot of the attention or the the atmosphere um, that causes us to feel uneasy is largely due to either a the sound design soundtrack or both happening at the same time. Yeah, the only other genre, and we've talked about it before, and we're not going to talk about it this episode, yeah. is, to, in my mind, uh, spaghetti westerns mm-hmm. specifically, and westerns in general. Yeah. There's kind of a way that those sound that transports you to that place. Yeah. Um, yeah. How they get the vibe and the openness and all of that, and the the way that that... Yeah, you know, the the movie is portrayed, the character of the film. If you yeah, know. and like but we're not talking about Westerns. We're not talking about that. I, I look forward to talking about them in the future though, because I think that's all. That's a, it's one of my favorite films. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I think that's going to be a great conversation. Um, but like, yeah. So today we're talking about horror films. We're talking about um, your classics. We're we're going to be starting with your Hitchcock, your Psycho, your North by Northwest. Um, any others that might come up uh, rear window also has a yeah. has a great soundtrack strangers on a train yep haven't seen that movie for a while though i don't know if i've actually ever seen that one uh the one that i forgot to uh mention before actually or just came to mind just now was uh the birds oh um, yeah yeah great yeah. soundtrack in that one too haven't seen it were they all um what's his name um, bernard herman yeah bernard herman i I don't believe Rear Window is Bernard Herrmann. Okay, got it. Um, I know but he, North by Northwest and Psycho are, okay. and I think Birds is, but I will look. And that up. checks out because I would say that Rear Window is kind of the black sheep of like the the three that I initially mentioned. You know, yeah. In terms of like how things sound and just sound design, but um, so we're gonna start with that and then move through the '80s and slash '90s and then kind of get to more of a contemporary context and like how composers are now using what I would describe as like definitely more sound design than like actual like compositional techniques i mean i mean that that's a whole debate like the that, and what i love about it is because like contemporary composition a lot of it incorporates what we consider to be like sound design techniques and like that's just like a whole style of composition in and of itself is sound design so um i think a great movie for us to start out with though is uh probably psycho with um um bernard herman and um just what a what a masterpiece actually of a soundtrack that is because it's, it's all string quartet um forgive me i actually don't remember the string quartet that performed it but they yeah I, i'm sure it's actually some relatively known or it could have been just a bunch of studio musicians i was gonna say it's, it's more likely the latter <laughs> it's more likely just like random session people yeah people. session people but like talk about i mean in terms of so that was mid-60s right psycho 
Early sixties. Uh, yeah, it. We we have it in the doc. Um, uh, something. Uh, nineteen sixty actually. Oh, right, on right on sixty. Yeah. So like you know if you and we might do this a couple times, but just draw in parallel to like what's going on in the, you know the classical art music world at that time, right. like which Bernard Herrmann was very much so a part of. Sure, he yeah. Went to Juilliard. He was a okay. big proponent of lesser known composers throughout his life when he as a conductor and okay. he did a lot of. Those kinds of things. So he's very in the art music, academic music world. I didn't know that. And that's all, that's like really, I mean, that just confirms like to the, to the general audience, like the soundtrack to Psycho might sound like really jarring and stuff, but like, you know, people were writing really aggressive string quartets, like at the same time, if not prior, like I know we talked oh, about definitely them prior. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know we talk about him a lot, but like Shostakovich wrote some like pretty like aggressive string quartets and like, you know, some stuff in there like prior to this. So, um, and it's not like unclear to see where he got a lot of these, just like that beginning, uh, or not the beginning soundtrack, but like that soundtrack when she's like driving up to the Bates motel and it's like raining and it's like, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, Like that It almost starts out in like a campy kind of a like bum, 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 like that, Mm -hmm. that kind of a thing. And it really like gets into like a driving menacing type of a groove and in 1960 i mean to to bring it even more into the art world uh, you know it is truly the height of darmstadt Mm -hmm. the darmstadt school Mm -hmm. um bernard herman would have definitely been aware of that yeah um this is still in the realm of when hollywood was greatly influenced by people like stravinsky and um uh, Schoenberg, Rafa, I mean. Yeah, Schoenberg and yep. Copeland yep. and, yep. you know, these people yep. who had a very different harmonic had, language. Yeah, we could have had Prokofiev if he didn't go oh, back Pro- to Russia. Because yeah. he, he did Peter and the Wolf uh, in, like, whatever that was, whatever the Disney Peter or um, Peter and the Wolf was. And then uh, and then he got bribed to come back to USSR and then, like, yeah. was promised fame and fortune and then received none of it. Well, you know, yeah, classic yeah, you know. Stalinism. Yeah, yeah. As it happens with Stalinism. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, speaking of Peter and the Wolf, yes. uh, a great episode of a TV show that Austin knows that I love, um, Fargo. Oh, yeah. The TV show, the third season has an episode that's entirely um, done with, like, Peter and the Wolf. Cool. Basically. And it's... That that episode has kind of thriller aspects to it. I won't, oh, okay. I won't go so far as to say it's it's thriller black comedy. Basically, okay, yeah, is yeah, what yeah. that is. Yeah, suspense maybe, yeah. but it it uses a lot of Peter and the Wolf stuff. Yeah, um, cool. Along with the theme of the, you know, established show yeah. to create a to create an interesting kind of suspenseful. It uses those themes to kind of create suspense. Yeah, draw out those moments. Right, and bringing it back to psycho yeah yeah i think that's what that that score does really well yeah. and it's more it's more incidental music than it is not necessarily incidental music but it's more composed symphonic music so that's then yeah know, I, anything I, that we're going to talk about after well and I, and I get what you're saying uh, but i also think um in the in bernard herman was very aware of how to capture a mood or even like the capturing a physical motion um, within, like, a sound thing. And, like, I'm going to talk... Now I'm going to bring up, like, the, the most famous scene in that movie that everybody knows. Everyone the knows. famous ev- horror sound. Yeah, ever. It's, it's, the, it's the stabbing scene in the shower and the high screeching violins. 
And if you're going to try and tell me that that's not exactly what that man was trying to, like, accomplish, you know, through that, it's like, that that he had such an acute idea of, like, what a stabbing motion on an instrument, like, sounds like. And he, he nailed it. Like, he absolutely nailed it. And that's yeah, why... Yeah, because able... we're talking about it. <laughs> well, yeah, like... 80, t- no, sorry, 60 years later. Yeah. I can do math, I promise. <laughs> 60 years later, we're talking about it. Yeah. And we're talking... And everyone knows, if you heard those, yank, 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 like... You're, you're gonna think stab 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 right that's right. immediately what everybody thinks no it's doubt <laughs> right and so that's why like i think that a lot of these movies in like the hit like in the 60s with hitchcock and like other and like uh i'm not so much of a i i wouldn't even call myself a horror buff but like a lot of my stuff is more like 80s onwards um i grew up watching like you know your your hitchcock and stuff with my mom great parenting um <laughs> but um, Some of the movies my dad showed me, I should not have watched. <laughs> no, but it's it's um, it's evident that like there was a very like, um, it was very intentional. Like I, you yes. hear the sounds and it makes sense with like what's going on on the scene. And you know it, that the composer knew what was going to happen. Right, and it's like they, but they have. Not only are they like it's not only music, but they're like this is a texture that will define this mood right here. Oh, I need like a because at the end of that stabbing scene, you have like like a bass, you know, really like low bass drum and like things like that. And it's like you don't as a, like a listener necessarily think of that as like an orchestral thing going on. And you're like, oh, it's a low rumble, like the 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 tense thing is like dissipating, kind of thing. Um, and then like the tension is released. So that to me was just a very um like evident thing in in the in the movies of that time. Um I don't know the other soundtracks as intimately for like uh Rear Window or The Birds or North by Northwest, I, I, but I, I just want to put this out about the birds. Yeah. Um Hitchcock used uh source music, so he brought in outside music not composed for oh, the Oh interesting. I didn't know that actually. And okay. he he used sound effects. Oh, okay. He didn't actually use a, a film a score. score. He didn't have a score. There isn't incidental music for the movie. Interesting. So Bernard Herrmann wasn't involved in it, and he wanted to do that because he combined that with you know silences and bird calls and noises well, and, then and that's, those things. And that's that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to, um, if you could, uh, silence your phone, please, Mister Williams, <laughs> and avoid kicking the bass. That's fine. <laughs> I'll drop the bass. <laughs> Matt's gonna kill me. <laughs> this is what I have to deal with. <laughs> Although we don't have, we don't release what Austin has to deal with. So, it's unusable. The the oh, that's interesting though that he decided to um, go with like Sans composer on that, and yeah. I, I wonder if there was like a budget reason on that or who knows like they're well because I think that that movie happened late enough where <laughs> Hitchcock could do what he wanted sure Hitchcock sure. had money yeah because that's 1963 yeah he had money this yeah. is post-psycho like, so, so that sounds like a very deliberate like artistic choice yes on his part yeah mm-hmm. um which I think that's really cool it's it, it's a different like there's styles of composition like that found sounds you know yeah. found you know Music, it, it, music concrete, you know, it's about found absolutely. sounds, recording, manipulating, you know, it's found sounds, so, um, yeah, and, and maybe that's, like, maybe that's something I didn't, like, actually fully conceptualize till just now, like, a lot of harsh noise and, like, uh, aggressive music 
that we associate like to that aesthetic is often electronic um and is a lot of it's rooted in the concrete um well i would say like 60 percent of it's rooted in the concrete there's like a good amount of it that's uh attributed to like more of the modular synthesis stuff but like yeah that's about the that's the only other bit right right so like i would say like a lot of that like uh, a lot of that aesthetic can be derived from like the french school which was my point is that was going on prior, if not at the same time as like these soundtracks. Well, it was still very popular. At that right, time. right, right. So, and then you have composers like Helmut Lachenmann, who has like in uh, music concrete instrumental, where he's like trying to, he would do. <laughs> I don't know if you know much about Lachenmann. You, um, I should, I should show you some of his works. But he would do the concrete thing, create pieces that were like manipulated found sounds and then he would orchestrate those sounds and try and create them with a live ensemble and his music's like relatively complex it's very like like expressionistic kind of stuff um all that all that stuff uh very german kind of thing so um yeah yeah so that i mean it, it's no surprise to me that like you know someone like Bernard Herrmann is you know obviously in tune with the art music world is probably yeah. aware of this man's works aware of all these other works and then he you know it's this, it's this melting pot of like all right here is where we need like a melodic figure to like you know be background music that no one's really paying attention to here we need a stabbing motion in music or you know like you know that he has a really good grasp well, here on, we're like, starting to build tension so I need to if you have that motive going, yeah, you change the harmony or change the rhythm or the tempo or you, right. you know, moving things forward, building tension and suspense through that, and and that's what he, I mean. He he's a master of it, right? Really, and I mean, coupled with Hitchcock, who is very much so a master of film and suspense and how to draw out, mm-hmm. you know that the you know to pull you to the edge of your seat yeah absolutely and and that and bernard herman i would say equally so can do that with music where uh hitchcock can do it with video yeah absolutely it was it was one of the it's definitely one of those examples of like two right people meeting at the right time and space and everything and it's just a beautiful product so yeah um so so moving forward i guess um further in time yeah um do you want to take a quick break? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Either way. Literally just put that in there so we could be yeah. like, you know. Yeah. Uh, if we, if we, like if we yeah. need to like cut audio or whatever. Yeah. Um, all right. So moving forward. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm talking about the 80s for a bit. All right. So the, moving forward, we have, you know, the 80s. And the, the, the horror genre kind of goes into this. Um, I think it's just like really funny. I've never found like 80s horror films to be necessarily like scary. Because the it's at this... Um, point in history of like special effects and everything where they're like really cheesy still like nothing looks like terribly realistic and of course this is all like based on my like conception being born in 1994 you know so like everything during that time um, just seems like really campy to me growing up with like more you know developed CGI and all that shit but uh, what I think just plays into that campiness so much is like in these 80s slasher films, so like Nightmare on Elm Street, Jason, Halloween. Halloween is a little better about this. Um, 
but I would say like the first two that I mentioned, the the soundtrack is largely just like digital synthesizers and like not a lot of like there's they're they're trying to impose this very like manufactured sound on top of this like seemingly horrific scene that's like very campy in nature due to like the special effects being used and like the 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 combination of the two just like to me they don't gel well and i'm not saying it's like i think that's part of the charm for for me at least that's why they're charming which is a funny thing to say about a horror film. Yeah, but, but like, like, oh, it's cute. I would say, like, specifically, like, an 80s slasher film, where it's, like, you know what's about to happen. Like, there's not a whole lot of, like, like jump scares. You're not surprised by, like, what's, like, going down here. Everything's pretty predictable, and y- people make enough stupid decisions that you're just, like, whatever. <laughs> you're, like, yeah, this is your fault. Now. Yeah, yeah, I'm you're, out. like, by the end of it, you, do, you have, like, little to no sympathy for, like, the people who are, like, being chased Most by this monster. Yeah. You're, like, <laughs> which are not 80s slasher, I know, but, like, the, I just want to say those movies, like, the, you're, like, you're like you're, you're dumb which like, movies the oh Saw movies oh. Saw films at a certain point like you're just oh my god like yeah, why yeah. why yeah. Are you, what? <laughs> so that that was that so you have these like um gems that like were or not I don't know these the, you also have these really good like psychological thrillers in the in the 80s like The Shining yeah. and actually I would say like Jaws was also like a yeah, really solid Jaws one. is a little earlier than the 80s. It's, it's 75. It's like... Really? Jaws is, a, oh. Jaws is a really interesting film, though. Yeah. Because it is one of the first, like, blockbusters. Summer blockbusters. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, one of the reasons we have summer blockbusters mm, is Jaws. Okay. Also, Jaws... You know, I mean, that... You know, coming together of John Williams and Steven right. Spielberg. Sure. You know, that That's a huge... Similar... Huge you know, deal, yeah. Right, people... With the Hitchcock right and the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it's very similar relationship, yeah. just in, like, the magnitude of effect it has yep. on film. But, you know, yep. huge summer blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I would argue Jaws, Jaws is a scary movie. No, it is. Like, that, that yeah. movie makes me not want to swim in the ocean. Yeah, no. Or in the water. Because it's like, re- it's realistic. It's a very yeah. it's like it's a very realistic thing. Well, and talk about using special effects. Well, right, I mean, not, right. Not necessarily, you know, the focus of this, but I mean, you know, it, it uses you know that that shark isn't the most realistic looking thing in the world. Right, but they but, they but what obscure is, but it. What and it's doing it, to like the set and yeah. how it's acting and stuff makes it look realistic, and that's like Spielberg's yep. whole thing is like. You don't necessarily have to make it look like the most realistic, but how it interacts with the environment around it is mm-hmm. what's going to dictate whether people buy into like what's happening. Yep. And that's my big thing with like the eighty slasher genre, <laughs> where I'm like, the way that all this is interacting with its like surrounding environment, the context that you're putting this in is just like not very believable. And so right. like I'm not going to be like afraid of it, you know. Like the idea on like Nightmare on Elm Street, this guy comes from your dreams and like you know tries to kill you or whatever, and the whole time it's just like. Not to say, actually, the makeup job on, like, Freddy Krueger is, like, pretty good. But, like, you know, the way he, like, comes in and out of dreams and stuff like that, I'm just like, yeah, okay, sure, like, yeah, I guess. But it's a little, it's really a little chainsaw massacre. It's right. Just like, oh, sure, yeah, similar yeah, it's thing. Yeah, just like, okay. So, but, but, like, but, J- but I agree, like, Jaws is, like, a wonderful gem. 
uh, that incorporates great soundtrack. We all know that da da da. Well, you know that that half step will go down in infamacy, not because of Dvorak's Ninth Symphony, but no. because of Jaws. That that motive is used for like four measures of Dvorak Nine. Like let's let's all just kind of drop that one. Like I get it, but they have two very different endpoints. Fun fact: the Black Eyed Peas also stole a riff from that same movement. <laughs> Uh, when uh, in my hum, in, bum, 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 <laughs> in my humps, she's got me spending. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean I they didn't steal it me. from that because it's just a descending me. like minor line, but like you know it's <laughs> it's it's funny. It's funny. Um, no, but like that and that it's so effective in the way that it builds tension. Yeah, totally, totally. It is a great job by John Williams. And that yeah. almost, I mean that. Honestly, that that score is is just that. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. like so much of what makes that score good yep. is just how he builds tension, and most of that is relating to that half step. Motif. And I and I would say that John Williams is not so much about the idea of sound design. He's very much about like no, I'm, I'm juxtaposing this score against what's happening. Yes, but it's still very effective in the same way that like opera is not about sound design. Now it might be, uh, but like you More know. So. Uh, up to a certain point, like Wagnerian opera is not about sound design necessarily. Right. You're you're hearing these melodic figures and you're associating it with what you're seeing on the yep. stage, and it's more, I guess, this is a loaded statement, inherently musical, I guess, uh, to the you know, to the ear. <laughs> not, it's more generally pleasing. I don't know if that's like the right way to put that either, because that's kind of loaded. Yeah, uh, yeah. John no. Williams is writing light motifs. Yes, maybe he's using motivic like... material and writing light motifs and creating, you know, almost post-romantic symphony. Yeah, that's played over a movie, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that with, he composed with, yeah. that he composed for that movie for that mm-hmm. for that purpose with those scenes in mind and things like that, and yep. it's. A wonderful effect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but going so the the other movie that comes to mind um, to me around that time, actually another movie that comes to mind that I just thought of right now is actually The Exorcist, which um, I also haven't seen. You haven't seen the original Exorcist? Look, I haven't seen any of the movies of the eighty slasher films. Yeah, I haven't seen any. Of I don't them. blame you on that. <laughs> I haven't seen the original Exorcist. I haven't. Uh, from this point onwards, you're going to mention The Shining at some point. Other than that, yeah, every movie we discuss from here on out, I probably haven't seen. Fair enough. I figured you did, but I don't watch a lot of horror. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's it's not a so genre so so I, similar I, to like okay. the the my comment on like the '80s um, slasher, um, but more so just due to the limitations. Is that the for the time? So the Exorcist, I believe, was early '70s, um, oh, somewhere okay. somewhere about there. Um, for the time, the special effects they were using were actually pretty incredible. Like, all of it. Like, if I was someone at that time saw that movie, I'd be pretty freaked out by it. Um, with that being said, the uh, the soundtrack on that is great. And forgive me, I don't know who um, wrote it. But they they had an incredibly wonderful concept of, as we discussed with Bernard Herrmann, the, the juxtaposition of, like... You know, here I'm gonna think more in the terms of sound design. Here I'm gonna think more in terms of like here's background music, scoring. Sounds. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I yeah, like this like, needs a transition here, or whatever. Yeah. But all of it's great. All of it's cohesive. All of it plays very well into the story. Um, so that I just wanted to mention that because that's that's actually one of my favorite um, like horror films. 
I, I think it's a wonderful story too. And it's not like if you watch it now, I'm not I'm never I've never had like nightmares from it because like it's in the modern context it's pretty campy. You know, sure. like like it's just because the, the effects weren't what they were and like, you know, it was what it it was what it was. Um so uh that's that. No, I just, just a quick shout out to that. But the I think the interesting movie of that 70s, 80s time period that that made an interesting impact on, like, sound design, scoring, and everything was um, The Shining um, because it doesn't use a lot of original soundtrack in it. It uses some, but a large portion of it is um, standard, you know, Western classical music. A lot of that being Bartok, um, some of it being Berlioz, Symphony of Fantastic. Um, I'm sure there's some Strauss used in it somewhere because it's Kubrick, but maybe right. I'm wrong. Um, I Kubrick, think Kubrick loves a little Strauss. Um, and there's like some Penderecki in there as well. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is there any Lutislavsky? I think there's some Lutislavsky yeah. in there as well. So because he liked some of the like. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So um, maybe some Ligeti. I think there's a plethora of like 20th century yeah. composers in there that um, maybe to, I don't know the director heard the or knew of the music at least and put it in there and it just fit the scene really well and it's it's not probably not a matter of like funding because as you said it was Kubrick and like he could probably do whatever he wanted at the time but it was probably a direct like a very direct artistic decision like the beginning. The first thing you hear in that movie is the DSC ray from Symphony Fantastique yeah. as they're driving up the mountain. And like anybody that like knows anything about music, you're like, oh, like probably not good things are gonna come after this. <laughs> Even if you don't know anything about music, if you're listening to that, you're like, mm, not I'm not getting a good vibe. Yeah, 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 absolutely. DSC rays are generally not a good vibe. But the a They lot- can be bops though. I mean, the, yeah, they're oh. pretty. Dude, Verdi's DSRA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, um, the, the other piece that I think sticks out to me in that movie a lot is the Bartok. Um, I think it's uh, for two percussionists and cellist or something like that. Um, oh, that, um, that I think music for be. strings, percussion, and cellist. And cellist, is that what it is? Strings, percussion, and cellist? Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I'm playing it. Oh yeah, well, no, yeah. wonderful work. Uh, he, yeah, sorry, I was rolling my eyes at the the experience of, of learning it. it yeah, with... in the midst of COVID and everything. Yeah, that's a yeah. whole thing. Yeah, yeah, but but it is it is a very nice piece. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. and I I don't know. I I think that's great. And this is you know something. These movies are something I haven't like put as much work into like understanding and learning. But right. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen The Shining for probably four or five years yeah. and I'm sure if I were to watch it now I have, have a much different appreciation for the both the score and the film but yeah. the, the score is interesting and Kubrick has an interesting way of telling a story verbally and non-verbally yeah. and using music as well to layer meaning there's so many that 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 movie is so visually heavy. Yes. You there's so much stuff going. Not not even in the background. Sometimes it's right in front of your fucking oh, face. Yeah. And you just don't realize like what you know this is telling you. You know. Well, and I wanna I wanna bring it back a little. I mean, uh, 
I, I thought of this during our discussion. Uh, not necessarily a horror movie, but a, a suspense, I would say, has some thriller aspects to it. So oh, the Shining? Is, no, 2000, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, yeah, totally. The Shining is a horror. Yeah. I, I, yeah I'll go, yeah. But 2001 A Space Odyssey, earlier, yeah. late 60s. Yeah. But no score for that only uses yeah. classical music. That's the famous, you know, Saturna from Zarathustra. The, um, yeah, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that that whole opening thing is is famous, but I mean that whole right. movie is done with right only precomposed classical music. That well, and that's where Ligeti kind of got like popularly famous for his Luke's Eterna. Yeah, that's yeah because that's used in there yeah, as well. Like, yeah, totally. But it, totally. it's used to great effect, and also there's a lot of silence. Yeah, and and that's it. That's an interesting aspect that I think. The, the Shining and, and generally Kubrick kind of introduces to maybe more so to... The thriller horror genre. Is, is silence. So it's interesting you say that. And this might be a good segue-ish into like the modern genre because... And we don't have to like completely, but I feel like that that effect is almost overused. Just silence? Yeah, because it'll a like... quiet place? Well... <laughs> Not quite. By the way, I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, dude, it's such a good movie. I'm um, not saying it's not. I'm just saying I haven't seen it. It's a great. That's a good. That's one. not. That's great just. With that's just a good. That's just a good monster movie. It's a good monster movie, and it's a good story that'll break your heart at the end. Um, because you get pretty invested in the characters. I think. Anyway, bad. yeah, no kidding. Um, so <laughs> no, but like you, in in the modern horror genre. I almost feel like there's too much sound going on, noise going on and stuff, and then... Just, like, little... Yeah, and then all of a sudden everything will cut out, and you're like, well, okay, something's gonna happen. And so, like, even that... You don't know when, but, like, even that expectation... Like, don't get me wrong, if I'm watching, like, you know, a horror film for the first time that happens... And then the thing happens. I usually like jump a little bit. But, like, you you watch enough of these, and then you start to, like... there. I've never timed it. I would actually love to make like a um a graph or a chart that like and figure out the mean time of like silence before like a jump scare happens in like contemporary like horror film because i think that'd be a really <laughs> funny thing to like, like to do how long this yeah it's like it's like how and like how how does the effect like is like oh it waited too long so i like lost interest or like oh it was too short so like yeah. i didn't get a chance to like you know, fully appreciate, like yeah. fully get get what, like yeah, yeah, yeah. That so. is something that The Shining does really well. Um, I think is is the juxtaposition of silence and score. Okay, from my recollection, yeah, of it, is, is the you get a lot of just sounds of the like the kid rolling around on his, yeah, like, you know, like you know you, that you, you get. Um, and I, I looked up the word for it, diegetic sound. Oh, okay, sound or well, diegetic music is music that the people in the film are listening to that we also hear oh, okay. so they know it's at they know the music is happening at the oh, same okay. time the audience does. okay so like you're, you're getting like normal sound like you get like the roll you know the the wheels spinning and the or the steps you know walking like it's not yeah. like there's no sound it's just that it's as if you were there it's right. as if you were in real life where music doesn't play except inside your own head right there's right. not just me no <laughs> The telephone's ringing. What's happening? <laughs> Did you have a stroke? <laughs> I smell toast. Oh no, that's just the hops. Ah, uh, toasted malts. Yeah, it's nothing like it. Tis the season too. Um, uh, it is. It is my favorite season for beer and here, dress. Here's the time to just promote 
Any Oktoberfest beer. I love Marzen's. Yeah. I also am a huge fan of brown ales. English English yeah. brown ales. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. Um, also, I love porters. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm just a big fan of dark, Toasted malty malts, man. beer. Yeah. Loving it. Also, I My love it. My waistline doesn't and... love it, but, uh, you know. <laughs> Whose does? It's how, I, it's how I gain 15 pounds every winter, but it's fine. <laughs> That's why I just drink bourbon. <laughs> I've, I've been buying no beer and just drinking bourbon. But I love sweaters and flannels and scarves this time of year. Wool socks. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think on that note we can break. And, yeah, let's take a quick uh, come break. Come back to the come back on modern. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Anyway, welcome Still back to Classical Reboot. Um, I'm gonna plug my boy uh, Zach Eicher right now at Ladonia Cerveceria. Uh, we're drinking his Oktoberfest right now, and it is quite lovely actually. That's a little more bite than a lot of Oktoberfests. I kind of like, like, like it, it actually. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I still got the maltiness. It's still got like your standard, but no, like it's got yeah. like a nice toasty thing yeah. going on. But Absolutely, it's, it's definitely got a little more. Yeah, zhuzh. don't hate it. Absolutely, I love. I like it. I like so it. we're moving into like more the modern and like forgive me, I'm kind of skipping over um, stuff we that on? I haven't seen. Or we're skipping over a lot. Like you're you're. If you're listening to this, first of all, thank you. But second of all, <laughs> why? Se- second of all, honestly, um, DM me on Instagram and, and seriously, why? <laughs> um, there's a lot of movies out there, and like these are the ones that came to mind and are like obviously staples. And like this isn't a podcast dedicated to horror films. Also, I'm going to plug this right now, because while we're on the topic of that, um, if you want a podcast dedicated to horror films talking about the plots, our friend, my friend Andrew Baldwin, um, co-hosts on one called We Die First. It is a wonderful podcast, and they've been doing a great job putting out a bunch of different episodes. Andrew's I've, a great guy. Yeah. I've, I Fantastic. found out about a Love lot. Love the way he talks about stuff. Yeah. like I found out a lot about um, certain horror films or specific horror films through that podcast. So if it's a genre that you're like interested in getting into more, and sometimes maybe it helps like to, to ease the, the, the anxiety of watching them to like know the plot. I know like when I watch with uh, my girlfriend, she's not the biggest fan, but she reads the plot first and understands the, like what's about to happen and stuff. It, it you know, you, you have yeah. an ease of mind, you have an expectation well, I mean, of what's uh, to come. A, uh, for me, one of the movies that we'll talk about coming up, I read the plot of before I watched it. Yeah. And the, actually reading the plot is what got me to watch it. Sure. Because I wasn't really that interested in... I, I'm not that interested in horror as a genre. It's not like my favorite kind of thing to yeah. watch. But, you know, reading the plot, I was like, oh, you know, I, I kind of might like this. And yep. I ended up really liking the film. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So maybe let's jump into that example, even though chronologically it might not be like, you it's know, not the, from... It's not in order. Yeah, yeah. But it's probably going to segue nicely away because it's not sound massy or designy, really. Right, it's right. It's actually a bit more in the mold of those, those older... Right. Movies, I think. So, we're, so what we're talking about here is Midsommar, Midsummer, however you... Midsommar. Midsommar. Yeah. It, yep. it, it, the accent isn't really on that last... Midsommar? Yeah. Yeah, okay, it, so... In the, in the movie. So right, so um, uh, if you don't know the movie, I'm not going to explain it. You should just go watch it because it's wonderful. It's a really um, cool movie. <laughs> Beautiful. 
by the way. Yeah. Just a beautiful Aesthetically movie. beautiful. Oof. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, if you really uh, want to go down the rabbit hole, um, this is something... Eh, I'm not going to mention that. Never mind. Moving on. By the way. Um, <laughs> no, but um, I, I saw this movie with like little to no expectation going into it. I was visiting my sister in Atlanta um, a couple summers ago and she was like, Hey, like, do you want to go see this movie? It's just come out. And I like watched the trailer and I'm just like, hell yeah. <laughs> like, cause the tra- it's one of those movies where the trailer really didn't reveal that much of like what's about to happen. And, sure. and I'm all about that. I like, I, I am the opposite. I love going into movies. You of like any genre. Tease. You like a tease. Yeah. Of like without any expectation and just like letting it like, you know, letting myself kind of decide what's important about it, yeah. I guess. So, um, but let's yeah. So let's talk about the soundtrack of it because it's it's beautiful and I Bobby Krilch. Bobby Krilch. Uh, I yeah. I don't know how to say the name. K R L I C. I believe. Krill. Yeah, maybe Krilch. Yeah. Um, Krilch. Krilch. Um, but then, Bobby. Yeah, go Bobby here. Um, loves to use like a lot of folk influence, but also which is very much so to do with the plot of yes, this movie. Absolutely, because oh, it 200%. is it is about a commune in Sweden, yeah. in northern Sweden, and, and so it's leans heavily on Scandinavian Swedish. At no other time other than like the Midsummer Festival when you right. have all these cultural, you know, things going on and Yeah. yeah and I, yeah. I, I meant to tell you this. I've actually been to You've participated a, in a Midsummer no, not, Festival. No, not in not in uh in Norway or Scandinavia, but in uh Decora. Oh one well, no. oh <laughs> you would. They would down there have a uh, Midsummer it's, it's Festival. All... <laughs> Yeah, that, that festival is imprintable. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's literally, there, there's a tradition of going out to a, sure. a, a farm and you have a fire going and the whole night you're doing, you know, you're just doing random traditional Norwegian, Scandinavian activities. Dancing, mostly, singing, games. Mostly games, some singing, some dancing, although that's, you know. By the by, it's become more and more modernized. It's sure, not, it's not really what's represented okay. in the film. Okay, but it, it, it's yeah. a it's a whole thing where, I mean, because we're not in Scandinavia, the, the sun actually sets for a number of hours. Right. Whereas at that point in time, depending on how far north you are, there there really no. isn't any darkness. It, yeah. You kind of get a quasi twilight. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Um. But no, totally. it's really fun because you just stay up the whole night. Yeah. Drinking, laughing, having fun. Yeah. Doing shots of Akavit. <laughs> but this but the soundtrack is wonderful because you have these wonderfully folk influenced melodies and like I would love to score study this film actually because I feel like just the, the treatment of texture, harmony, all these colors, you know, it's yeah. it's wonderful. But you also have these I think I shared with you it's the it's the opening line. Or you I mean you've watched the movie when you know, when you first spoilers, when when you know, she finds out her sister killed herself and stuff. You have this, and her parents and her at parents the same time. and her parents at the same time, and like you have this drone, and then you have another drone that joins it, and then you have these microtonal shifts, and just like it's which stuff. is so, by the way, indicative of where I think and what I've experienced current Scandinavian art music is at. Really, by yeah. the way, like Interesting. just just okay. as like kind of a like they're very into drones, they're very into like. These micro subtle shifts, like yeah, almost yeah, kind yeah. of a minimalist aspect to yeah, it, of yeah. like long drawn out tones, like uh, and like shifting these, like 
sliding into something, okay. sliding out of a tone, like okay. that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really interesting... Wonderful. And, it, and I think that that does come from the folk influence. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. I mean, and there's I mean, a lot of folk instruments that are just inherently drone instruments. Yeah, like, the that's just hard like, fiddle, which is probably one of the more influential mm-hmm. folk instruments in that area. Has this, sympathetic strings. I was just saying, does that like a resonator string yep. thing it on has, it? Yeah. It has uh, yeah. four sympathetic strings, so it has eight yeah. strings. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So Wonderful like, instrument. Yeah, yeah. So I think that the way that um, the composer, his name again, excuse me. Bobby. We're Bo- just going to go with Bobby because <laughs> we don't know how to pronounce his last <laughs> right, name. K-R-L-I-C. Look him up. Sounds great. The way that, the way, the way that he... Um, treated approached all this stuff with the score like it's just wonderful like you get uh i i I could probably do a whole episode on just like this but i you know we we easily yeah yeah no and i just love that movie i i really do i think so much of it is shot in the daytime there's very little Mm -hmm. of it that's actually in darkness right so it's very kind of opposite of what a horror or thriller usually everything yeah Everyone's yep. very in the light. Everyone's yep. very visible. But the, the score does a wonderful job of putting you there in the place and setting your mood. Yep. Um, throughout, it kind of changes. And it gets a little darker in certain spots yeah. when something's happening. And the, the score is really what changes rather than, like, let's say, the lighting. Sure. If you will. And the, the score has some wonderful moments of, like, when they first arrive in the, in, uh, I believe it's Horga. Yeah, in the in the commune, they, you know, there's this they're in a, you know, a field. There's flowers and the trees, and they do mushrooms, and in the yeah. the score just has this like wonderful little like thing going. It's very on. like whimsical. Also, yeah, 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 and, yeah. And also, by the way, this movie has some of the better depictions of psychedelic trips I think I've I ever seen. Completely agree. Like, completely just, agree. they do a great job of showing. The good, the bad, the ugly of a psychedelic. Yep. And yeah. I, it's, absolutely. It's wonderful, and I think that's really cool. Yeah. No, I think Side that's. Note. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I there's so many great aspects about this movie, but the 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 last thing I maybe want to mention is like about the sound design, where the the soundtrack may not be so related to the sound design, but the the attention to detail and the sounds that you hear that the people are creating on the set like whenever they're sitting at the table and everybody picks up their yeah. like plates and stuff like that like the the close mic'd like aspect of that like was so it's very visceral it's yes. very it brings you into this world where you're sitting down at this and the, table and this along world with, is visceral yeah oh true that, that's a very truly. that's a very good point because i think unlike say bernard herman with uh psycho yeah. there isn't really that accompanying of motion with the soundtrack there's not really like this the music isn't built to accompany like these knife strokes or this ride you know this car ride or something you don't get the the world that's all you're hearing so you're like how do i create this motion with instruments only kind of thing right it's a a different it's it's kind of the same style ish if it were to ignore that and do some other things like sure. I, I think it's it's a really no, interesting I, I, it's it's a it's a step it's a step forward in that in that world where you're beginning to accept and realize that there's sounds that we make and that they they add a lot to the environment so right. i think that although you know um bobby didn't necessarily <laughs> Um, we could also call him robert but yeah, i just whatever. like call him bobby <laughs> um didn't necessarily 
incorporate a lot of like soundtrack. Quick side note: on every movie set, there is a composer and then there is a sound designer. They are typically yeah. two different people. Where a lot of modern horror, I think these people are probably in a lot of communication. I can't imagine that they're very independent of one another. Yeah, because I would a lot say it'd of be difficult. Yeah, I would say it'd be it, that'd be very difficult and just it wouldn't be what it is so back on to what i was saying he's not he's not so he's not so much focused on like sound design aspects as he is creating this like wonderful atmosphere for us to like you know a a backdrop for us to really enhance like the experience and everything that we're you know like that in like the final piece we hear in that work and i will call it a piece because it's a it's a masterwork actually the when when everything's burning and the music's just growing and growing and growing to this like almost and it's very consonant you have very consonant it's very major it's very like major and like because sonorous. everything's resolved right right though it's very cathartic but at the same time the ending gets, of that movie is such like a everyone you didn't like in that movie is they're gone no the movie's very cathartic but also yeah. you know main character did get inducted into a cult so like take that with what and you will and did kill her boyfriend who was a shit boyfriend oh yeah he was a piece of shit so you're like happy also there died. is not, there are very few movie characters I've hated as much as Mark oh yeah yep yep that guy's constant one he's just vaping through the whole thing yep <laughs> which is just good god man. just stop he's constantly stop. focused on just banging Swedish yep. chicks which is ultimately the reason someone ends up wearing his fucking face yep Yep. He also pisses on a ceremonial tree and then doesn't seem to think it's a big yep. deal. No, he's just like, like an literally awful a tree person. where they've like put the ashes of their ancestors. Yep. Yep. He's just like, what? What? I'm walking here. Like that's his reaction. <laughs> it's basically I'm walking. Uh, you're like, yeah, Jesus you're not Christ. wrong. Yeah. He's a horrific human being. So the but, I think but, that's but that the last of the sound- film, the, the best people in that movie are the people in the cult. Yeah, I mean, except except for the um, guy who's actually trying to study. Yeah, Josh. Josh. Yeah, yeah. He, he actually seems like a good guy, except for the bit where he tries to like steal secrets. Yeah, he's trying to steal some like stuff. Other that than that, he's actually a good guy. So, but what I think, so my, what I'm saying about that final soundtrack there is like it's very constant, it's very sonorous. You know, you get all these like very like vibrant overtones, but it. it the, the I remember hearing it in theaters. It gets to such a loud sound level really? that it makes you uncomfortable. Like I think that the like oh. the, you know he's literally using like you know volume as like a tactic to like make you feel like uncomfortable, that. which I think is an interesting technique. And but I, I also really... think that kind of works. I, I can see where that that works with the ending of the film. Like I mean that really accompanies kind of the it's just overwhelming the over. overwhelming positivity of that cult is ultimately bad yes and that and uncomfortable yeah yeah and that's kind of the interesting thing about that yeah. that very consonant no doubt thing so speaking of loud and uncomfortable <laughs> joseph Bisher yeah yeah scores for insidious and the conjuring yeah yeah he does joseph Bishar. so the conjuring and insidious um are uh wonderfully I don't want to say awful. I love them. I, I actually love them as movies. I understand why a lot of people would think they're corny, cheesy. I guess, like, they are, like, kind of spooky. They they are. I would say that The Conjuring has spooked me more. Every time I watch The Conjuring, there's a couple nights where I'm, like, wake up in the middle of the night. I'm, like, a little uneasy. But Insidious, to me, is, like, just a little too cheesy. But um, both of them have a wonderful... Uh, 
this is where I think that modern horror intersects with, um, you know, sound design. It's this, I don't know, you, you have, you have less and less melodic material. You have less things that are, and, and what, what you have is these, this composer, um, John Vacheris, who is clearly very influenced by sound mass. Um, which incredibly. incredibly influenced by sound mass, which I think is appropriate. It's no surprise that Penderecki was <laughs> adopted into like any horror film for his music because it's very visceral, very striking. Our you know our concept of like you know consonance versus dissonance, it is very much on the dissonance side of that scale. To you know, to, very heavily. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. That is it. It is in sound mass is a great description of it and a great, you know, uh, way. That's kind of the tag uh, associated with it, and it's wonderful because it is. It is, it feels like a wall or just a mass of sound. Yeah, because yeah. it's not really anything melodic. Right, and it's, this is where like side. It's, it's almost it, just noise. Right, and like side note. Having studied contemporary composition for the past seven or so years of my life, whenever I listen to horror movie soundtracks that use this technique, it like doesn't bother me because uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't really bother me either. Right, because I'm like, oh yeah, it's Penderecki or like you know, insert or uh, Michael. It's kind of like or, Elliot Carterish. Yeah, <laughs> you're just like, yeah, it's yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's less it's, rhythmic than Carter, but it works. <laughs> it's it, it's just, it's funny to me that like. It's still striking, but not. I think like the average listener is. Well, that's the isn't exposed to this kind of sound, you know. No, no, they're not. But also, that's the that's the thing that I think gets talked about sometimes. uh, For me as a performer, there there are times where teachers will talk about dissonance and consonance, and and they'll say, "Look, I know (laughs) that they'll be like, you are more comfortable with the dissonance in this passage of like a." Beethoven or a Mozart string quartet. Sure, sure. You're far more comfortable with this dissonance now. But you have to understand that that dissonance is a huge deal. Right. Because everything was so consonant once upon a time. Yeah. 200 years ago. But now we're like, we've been through the 12-tone thing. We went through Darmstadt. We've been through Ligeti. Right, right. Carter. We've seen Zanakis. And not to mention, even like in the context of like functional harmony, we've been very exposed to jazz, Mm -hmm. which flips harmony on its head most of the time. Yeah, and we're not surprised know. as much by a right. cadence or something or by a progression anymore. Right, right. And it's it's something interesting interpretively. That yeah, I, absolutely. I'm always constantly reminded of by people who are like, you need to take this into account because we know it doesn't really... You're like, wow, a minor seventh. How dissonant. <laughs> like, it's not to me... Like, to my yeah. ears, like, I'll tune, like, minor and major seconds. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll like, tune them and be like, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yeah, like yep. you, you like tuning. You, your ear gets so used to it. Yep. And sound mass, same thing. Yeah, I I think that um to to those who are familiar with the sound of like you know Penderecki and sound massy composers that are just very I guess inherently dissonant in your face about in it. your face about it. This this technique isn't as effective. With that being said, I do think it is effective in the context of these movies because. 
So we'll take it one at a time. The Conjuring is um, what the Warren um, uh, husband and wife, and or the Warrens, and they were this um, demonologist duo from the 60s. And the movies are actually based on real events that they uh, encountered, which is kind of a fun fact. Um, whether you want to you know, believe what happened to them 100%, I don't necessarily, but I think that they are good stories nonetheless. They're good ghost stories, I will just say that. Yeah. And that's, so, that's worth it enough to make right, a film. Right. And the, and the, fir- the first movie, they're dealing with this um, uh, family that uh, the, the mother becomes possessed by this dead witch and she tries to kill her kids and all that stuff. And throughout, you, you're, you're brought up to this climax of where she's you know becomes fully possessed and all that stuff. But up to that, you know, there's this entity that's around the house and like is creepy stuff going on. And uh, But... As mentioned earlier, I think that a large thing that this um, movie series maybe overdoes is you'll have these moments where there's just like general noise, a bunch of like, even just like um, um, noise created by characters like walking and things like that, and all of a sudden everything will cut out, and you're like, okay, what's about to happen? Like That's the thing, in my listening to just the score... Yeah, there, there's like this stuff because I, I haven't watched the movie. Sorry, no, um, it's... but not, not. I'm not saying sorry to you. I'm saying sorry to our listeners. Yeah, for me not knowing the full story. <laughs> Get used to it. Um, it makes it easier for me to make bold claims with zero evidence. So. <laughs> Which is what we love to do here. We don't love to do that here. No, we don't love to do that here, but it, it gets a good soundbite. Um, great intro. Uh, so, so I feel like there are these moments where it's almost like this, like, just kind of like shimmering thing, you know, like a violin or a synthesizer, just like shimmering kind sure, of, sure. you know, oscillating notes or something or like tremolo kind of a thing. And then it just kind of builds and builds and builds and it becomes this big thing and then it cuts out. Yeah, and it's like I'm not even watching the movie, but I'm like, okay, wait for it, wait for it, boom, and like oh. this, and like the huge sound mass comes back in right, bigger right. and greater than it ever was before. You're like, oh, so something happened in the movie there, right? Right. I would, and that's the thing is like I would love to look at a score and be like, all right, what are you doing there, or like orchestrally? Because like a lot of it, like in the eerie moments, you hear like a lot of like you hear like a low brass rumble, maybe some trombones doing some slides a, or something a to create some like bass drum thing. yeah, and then like some strings doing some just like uh, plucky things up top, and then yep. like maybe some sulpant or something going Absolutely. on, and you know like I there's things that I can hear, but there's definitely some electronic stuff that's going yeah. on where I'm just kind of like, huh, interesting, and that's like. Maybe from just a purely sound design compositional perspective, I find the soundtracks and sound design of these movies interesting because they yeah. are achieving a lot of really in, like cool things that are going on. Where like, if that was if I wasn't scoring a film and I was just creating like a concrete piece or just a, like a large orchestral piece. I would maybe take like one of those motives and be like, okay, how can I like develop this or like, you know, pan it out. So I think like it has a lot of potential for, you know, things of that nature. So, and with that, with that being said, unfortunately, I feel like you can't really talk about these movies in as much depth because they are what they are. And the, 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 the silent, it's like a lot of noise, silence, a lot of noise. It's like on or off, which for this genre works pretty fucking well. Like, yeah. you know, like nothing it, to take nothing away from the genre or these films or these soundtracks. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting effect and it's interesting how it's accomplished through 
a, a lens that you and I both understand as sound mass of basically an extension of Western art music. Yeah. This Penderecki sound massy. I, I I brought up Elliot Carter earlier, but Ludus, he's more Ludoslavsky. Ludoslavsky. Yeah, I mean, Elliot yeah. Carter's more. Rhythm, but Michael like, Yannick stuff is another like, like uh, the yeah. the composer you introduced me to. Like Man- Michael Yannick is uh, is another one where it's like he he does it like a very like um, he's very um, what's the word I'm looking for um, meticulous about like his sound mass and how he develops it and stuff. And that that's Carter as well. I mean, he's, sure, he, Carter's very exact mm-hmm. in all of like all those rhythms and all those things that build and do all the things. Like, it's it's very particular. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's... Yeah, I think that from, like, an art music standpoint, like, if you're going to go with this style... And I, I love... I actually love sound mass music. Um, and actually, if we want to talk about, like, the beginning of it, like, Messiaen kind of began it sure. with his... Um, uh, uh, not... Um, was it an organ thing? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm forgetting the piece. Actually, I'm gonna retract that. We're gonna we're gonna retract. We're gonna redact what I just said. Lig- There's an organ li- piece. Ligeti, Ligeti is the kind of the grandfather of this with his. Is like, it Ligeti or Ligeti? I've heard both. Okay. <laughs> no, but Ligeti kind of grandfather of sound mass stuff with his micro polyphony kind of thing. You know, love- separating the strings to it, like forty yeah. you know violins into like individual parts. Yeah, having you know these. Yeah, and in the piece that I'm playing with Ligeti, I'm just gonna say it that way so we cover both our bases. Mm. Um, the uh, solo cello sonata in two movements. The second one actually has some weird like. Not sound massy because you can't really get that with the cello on its own unless you, you know, loop and electronics right. your way through it. Yeah. But like he does stuff where it's like fifths Sewell Pond pianissimo where it's like very he's trying to like obfuscate the like point and then he like yeah. builds it and builds it and builds it and then you're doing fifths at fortissimo and like in a yeah. very aggressive way and like do, doing these things and to I would, like create and, like more of a as much of a sound massy thing as he can get and I would argue that if you were to put those gestures and everything under a spectrograph you would get similar spectrums to a large orchestra yeah because, because that, that's kind of why I bring it up because like the harmonics that are happening and everything it, it's noisy yeah. you know it's like that's, his, that's yeah. the interesting thing is like he's pretty he, he does have this interesting way of like producing something that's noisy mm-hmm. like uh like there are these tunes and like there's this thing and it's like da 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 and then it like goes through all these variations and then it just and it's just like this weird like like it goes through all of these like hyper articulated to incredibly non articulated yeah yeah ventures or peaks and valleys and I think that's a similar thing that happens in sound mass. And that happens to bring this all back to horror scores. Yeah. They go back and forth between... They go back and forth between extremes. Yeah. Because that's how they get you... Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's how they get you on the edge of your seat and then blown away. And then right. like, oh, maybe I'm safe here. No, I'm not. Like right. That, that's right. how they... You know, that's that's the whole thing. Horror movies are extremes, which is why... Sure. Slasher films are campy. <laughs> no, truly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Know, to, kind of round that out yeah yeah it's a it's a genre of extremes and therefore it becomes a music of extremes and that's where it's interesting that it's become sound mass a lot at the times with these huge sounds and these Mm -hmm. very dissonant clouds of music yeah and then nothing 
Right. And then a thundercloud of music. Right, right. You know, that... And, and, and a lot of this similar things we've said about the Conjuring um, soundtrack can be said about the Insidious soundtrack, so I, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but... I kind of liked the Insidious soundtrack better. Yeah, I think It it's... had a little more surprise in it for me, but yeah. I, I don't know. I, I listened to, like, five minutes of music from each. Like, sure. I mean, you can't... Uh, you can find a, I think, enough I of think it, but it also doesn't as, really work without the uh, visual aspect. I think as far as stuff. use within the movie, I'd actually say the Conjuring soundtrack is slightly more effective. Sure. In the second Conjuring, they have this really interesting, it's eerie as fuck, um, this moment where all of a sudden you hear uh, the TV turns on and it's just this distorted, glaring children's choir... Um, singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Love and, it. yeah, it shit's eerie. Um, Again, what is it about children singing yeah. in, like, a just a little bit of dissonance or distortion that's just the creepiest thing on earth? Right, right. There, find me something creepier. <laughs> then, I forget. I would actually, movie, I would there's actually definitely say... Like, there's definitely a movie that uses a distorted version of... Uh, um, uh, the ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Oh, the, uh, bring, around bring around the rosy. rosy. Yeah, bring yeah. around the rosy. There's definitely a movie that uses a distorted version of that that I've seen where it's just like that is creepy. Yeah. Also, that song is already creepy, it but is. then just like the children singing it vaguely in that like out of tune way that we all sing "Happy Birthday" yep. as a group. Yep. Yep. And it's it's horrific. But that's so like that's the that's the one example that comes to mind in terms of like. Um, what was the the type of music that like the uh, characters are hearing? What, what was that? Diegetic. Di- that's like the one example of diegetic music in the those series that like um, comes to mind, and yeah, it's it's pretty effective. So, diegetic music is hard to get right. Yeah, yeah. There are there are a number of movies that, that I've seen use it where it's like eh, whatever, and right. there are a couple that I've seen that have used it. Right. wonderful effect. Right. Not necessarily horror movies because I don't watch many horror movies. Right. Um, but Actually, the... Midsommar uses diegetic yep, music do. very well with uh, the folk music. They, they do. They have uh, playing of folk music and it's... Uh, I think it works well to set the scene. Yeah, totally. Tone, so... But... It, so Insidious to me is... Um, it's a good ghost story. I'm not... I, I, I actually like the series a lot but it was um, more for me towards the end I think there's five movies in it um you uh by the end I was just kind of watching it to complete it but you but yeah the, the soundtrack plays a lot in it and the, I would say actually it's more on the side of sound design with that movie than it is like a sound um you don't really hear much melodic or like transitional stuff sure in that movie you hear more just straight up sound design things going on and I think that that's kind of the interesting thing about horror yeah. In general, yeah. is that especially where it's gotten to now, it's more about the sound design and the interaction of the score with the overall sound design mm-hmm. to work together to create that yeah that, and that this... world that like doesn't exist in like uh, necessarily in like an indie movie maybe or a blockbuster especially right right. And I, and, no, I agree. And it's, it's more the, it's, what it is, is we're less focused on 
it's just that I feel like our sound palette has increased in a way. Yeah. We're, we're, and, you know, due to electronics and, you know, techno- technological innovations, but, like, we are able to capture bigger, you know, drastic moods in, you know, this genre now. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and that, now we have, like, a pretty epic intersection of it. So, the last movie... I want to mention this movie. It wasn't on our list, not to throw a surprise to you, but it came to mind. These were basically all surprises. So. <laughs> it came to mind to me when we were talking about um, movies that used soundtracks or music that wasn't originally composed for it. Um, Shutter Island with Leonardo DiCaprio. I've actually seen it. All that music is um, 20th century composers. Oh, really? We have a lot of Bartok. We have Ligeti. We have um, Penderecki. We have... Um, we have a lot of 21st century composers. We have John Cage in there. We have a lot of, um... Love me some Johnny Cage. Got some Strauss in there, too, when well, you're, like, playing well, the record. You, you gotta have Strauss. Yeah. He's just, he's just good. Oh, no, I'm sorry, it's Mahler. I know you don't like Mahler. It's Mahler. <laughs> the, the look on Matt's face just went from, like, I love Strauss to, like, displeased when I mentioned Mahler. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. Um, I just don't like him that much. I, I love listening to Strauss and I hate playing it. Yeah. And I just hate, hate listening to Mahler and I'm fine like, playing it. Yeah, I'm fine. It goes <laughs> on forever. It's yeah. just so it's see the thing about Strauss is like like Strauss is like really hard for a while, like yeah. the whole time you're playing it. Yeah. Mahler's just like, Oh, I'm I'm still going. Well, I'll be. It's the height of the the the, the romantic uh, development, is what it is. They're they're both heights of romanticism in different ways. Yeah. But anyway, so that movie I think is just worth mentioning in that regard to kind of bring it back to like those other like examples yeah. we had of like you know it movies exist out there that had, don't have original soundtrack like specifically within horror. And I think it's still like very possible to like you know absolutely as a composer as a, as a coupling with sound design. Yeah, because like that's yeah. the that's the thing is like. It, it sure, works so yeah. well together where it's you know they're they're able to create they're able to slice like Penderecki in a certain way where it, it like it, it might perfectly express a moment yeah in a film and why write something you know there's a certain amount of like why pay someone to write something new when we've already got something that we've got the rights for thanks no. <laughs> yeah, no. Hey, look, I still get the fee for the studio section, but I'm not no. here to make you money. But but no, I think I'm here to make neither of us any money. Thanks, man. Um, the <laughs> the well, your comment about it's just like yeah, you can take like an older piece and then do some sound design stuff underneath it to really amplify yeah. that you know that work. And it's like I hate to bring him up because I hate this man. I hate him so much. Hans Zimmer can go die in a hole, but uh, yes. what he does do is, or what he hurt. doesn't do, what his studio does, what Hans Zimmer's studio does all the time, and it sounds like a million bucks, is you double the um, the double basses in the orchestra with with a Moog synthesizer, and, and no, and it sounds like a million bucks. Like, <laughs> no, has like, anybody uh, seen Inception? <laughs> <laughs> but it's. Um, it's stuff like that where you can take you know any I don't know but with that being said that I just wanted to mention that because it has there I mean when I said like twenty there's twentieth century composers but there's also a lot of living composers on that track too sure. that like there's there is John Cage music but there's also a piece 
I can't remember his name, and I know I'm terrible about this on the show, but the uh, the name of the piece is like homage to Cage kind of thing, yeah. and that's it's this composer like. You is know, it one of the Adams? No, no, okay. no. But uh, that was my best. Guess. Uh, John Luther Adam is Adam is on the um, oh, really? soundtrack too. Is if I believe correct, you know, but not John Quincy. No, he would be dead. <laughs> just a little bit. I just love that there are like multiple Adams presidents and like multiple Adams composers. It's like they it's both little... operated in the same periods where they were. Like, oh, it's great. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's stupid because I don't remember which ones are which. So, so in a similar light to uh, there's a there's another pun. No, um, in a similar vein to uh, uh, Shutter Island, um, the the last thing I want to bring up. The last movie I wanted to bring up was a uh, lighthouse, which we should watch together sometime because it is. I was gonna say I actually wanted to watch it, but it's I, a I, really. I chose to watch Midsummer instead. Yeah, of it's a really wonderfully fucked up art house film, and it's Robert, that tracks with its cast. Yeah, yeah, Robert Pattinson, William Dafoe being lighthouse uh, watchies or whatever you call them, and basically them just dipping into insanity, and you don't know how much of it is real or how much of it is like metaphysical. It's a whole kind of like Shutter Island. Uh, kind of no, actually, that's what I'm saying. Like similar vein of Shutter. By the Island, way, DM me your personal interpretation of the ending of Shutter Island. Oh, that's a that's a discussion we'll have after this. Actually, nice. Um, yeah. So the, the that movie's all sound design. Um, at Shutter Island, or not? I'm sorry. Excuse <laughs> me. Lighthouse, lighthouse. Sorry. Gotcha. <laughs> that movie's all sound design because. Um, there is some soundtrack, but like what you are bombarded with as a listener, not not necessarily a viewer. Like if you were to just listen to the soundtrack, which I did, I, I it is extremes. Track. It is like nothing to just like, bah, like which is like, like full Inception, bah. Yeah, like, but what that what that is in the movie without giving too much spoiler, that's the the lighthouse foghorn. Sure. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Right. And that's the idea. But even the the opening credits to the mo- movie, I guess they're credits. The opening scene of the movie, it's like silent, and then all of a sudden, you're. It's like they put a contact mic on the bow of a boat, and just like put it through the water, and well, that's like, let's do it. Oh, uh, it's like it's it's so effing loud and I'm just like oh my like I remember from I like watching. how you didn't swear there but you've already dropped the F-bomb <laughs> look, look look there's just so have I like, sometimes there's effect you know like just just calm down no like you're you're cool. just you're you're watching it and you're you're all of a sudden you're fine with it with the beginning and then you're just wow this is really loud <laughs> and that and that's what I would just describe because most of the time what you're hearing whether it's actually what's going on, like there's a lot of storming going on, so you sure, just hear yeah. like the storms going on in the background, or, or like. But other than that, like it's very like you're just hearing them walk around, you're hearing the dialogue, you're you're hearing them open and close things, which it makes so much sense to me that that's this movie could have been ruined by a soundtrack because ah, yeah that's because fair. the movie there's some movies are well no exactly and. The, the absence of a soundtrack adds so much more to... Again, it's you're brought into this world. You hear the creaks of them walking on the floor. You hear the... Eh, of every door they're yeah. opening. It, it pulls you into the world because you're, you're more immersed in a world when there isn't... Obviously not 
that world's music going right. on. Right, right. Like when you have the sound massy thing or you have this just clearly, you know, something else that's happening that's like building tension. Yeah. That's not melodic necessarily, just like in the back of, in the background, just there while like they're preparing dinner. Right. You know, that draws you in in a certain way that like, that isn't quite the same with building tension through more motivic material. Right, right. More melodic material. Because we don't associate that with, like, everyday life. We don't always have a soundtrack going on in the background. Some of us do. Go see a doctor. Hey, look, (laughs) just because I have tinnitus doesn't mean you have to tell me to go see a doctor. That phone's not ringing, Matt. (laughs) I keep my phone on silent for a reason. (laughs) But that movie is is so wonderfully ridden with sound design niches here. I would love to know what their microphone setup was on that set, actually. And actually, I would love to look that up and find out that it was just a very simple setup. Because I would actually my, believe My that bet it. is that a lot of those noises, much like most sound design, much of those noises that you hear as, like, creaking or, like, opening cupboards and stuff aren't actually that noise. They might... I don't they know. might be, but they there's might, a lot of that yeah. stuff that's not. Yeah, like, yeah, that, no, I totally agree. That's, I, I know that's what like you're a saying. huge thing in like yeah. sound design yeah. is just like how do you make we need a sound be like more you, dramatic? You just, yeah, you, yeah. You, you create a much more dramatic version of like what we know. Right, is right. That sound. It's it seems like the kind of movie that would have a very like raw and authentic, not necessarily authentic, but like a very raw sound world yeah. to it. I unprotected could, I, sex type sound yeah you know <laughs> get the fuck out of here <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of trying <laughs> to wrap things up yeah yeah very unsuccessfully yeah i'm trying to get I mean, yeah well know, yeah well, i think we i think we can wrap pretty soon i think we can too i i, I don't I actually don't have much else to say other than no, I, just I think to... that was i think that that I don't know. The, the, so so let's uh, let's move on to the that's kind of why that, that's yeah. why I brought up the like, you know, what separates horror films in a certain way from other films. Yes, is this aspect of a combination of score and sound design yeah. Yeah. that is very closely related that really builds the world that the movie exists in yeah. and puts the audience in a very different space yeah. than something like a traditional blockbuster or even a more a more independent film that's not a horror film right right there's a different feeling and that's achieved that's been achieved in a variety of ways throughout time right now we're much more in the sound mass era because that kind yeah. of the like we said earlier the the extremes yeah it yeah. really brings out the extremes and again like we said it doesn't pull you out of the world as much when you have that less motivic material especially when coupled with good sound design like in the lighthouse or in midsummer where you have these things that are just happening right right and it's uh it's really interesting with horror and what i what i would love to see as the genre progresses is a lot of is more subversion of like the expectation of like where things are like supposed to go with like the sound because i think that's what gets a lot of us with like you know thriller or horror genre is like what what makes us scared is uh, first of all the unknown like fear of the unknown and then like b it's like 
if you have an expectation of something to come and then it doesn't happen, then that just puts you that much more on edge kind of thing. So, yeah. so moving forward, I would, I would, and I would actually love to shameless plug any people making independent horror films out there and you need a composer, let me know. I would love to take a stab at it. I know that sounds like I don't have any experience, but I know how to write music and I'm willing to work hard. So here we go. <laughs> He'll do it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll play. <laughs> um, but. So yeah, uh, anything you want to plug? Anyone you want to plug? I mean, maybe, maybe not. I don't know when this will release, really, but yeah, you know. I mean, this is, we're we're recording this the day before Halloween. This will not be released anywhere near Halloween, more than likely. I hope it releases near Christmas. Actually, we should aim for a Christmas. No, do a songs. Nightmare Before Christmas vibe. There we go. Love Nailed it. it. <laughs> All right, yeah, we'll do that. Um, we'll shoot for that. I was gonna say maybe Halloween twenty twenty. Given our current release right. schedule, right. Um, which is none today. Hey, we're we'll, working on it. We're working on we're it. We're working on it. Um, I don't think I have anything to plug. I mean, I... If you want to promote yourself, that's also fine, too. I don't have anything to promote for myself. I mean, if you ever want a cellist, um... Hit up your Instagram Yeah, handle. hit up my Instagram, Violmatos, um, V-I-O-L-M-A-D-O-S. It's a fun little combination. I just like it, because it's fun to say there it is and i um, guess i'll yeah dm me yep. i'm available for things also i might actually start putting performances and things that i'm doing on there yeah you should uh, yeah. yeah do it do it hell yeah i mean i want to yeah but, you know um hit me up on instagram uh, uh at professional composter um and that's that um until next time stay spooky